If you weren't here last Sunday, this window's here for a purpose. We began a series on the windows of heaven. The windows of heaven. Last week, we spoke about Noah's window. Every single time in scripture, the word window appears in, in any viable way, in, in a way that has to do with the narrative of that story in a substantial, measurable way. We're contextualizing it and we're sharing biblical truth. And last week, the first time the word window appears in, the, in scripture is actually in Noah's story. There's another window story that is equally as compelling. And let me share it with you. And I like the prop that was created here. It enables me to just look at you through the window. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. What a powerful story. This is the story of a man named Daniel. Daniel was an amazing prophet. Matter of fact, Daniel's prophecies today are still coming to pass. Even Daniel's prophecies regarding the end times and what the world will look like in the last days. Daniel was an amazing prophet of God. And we find Daniel in a place called Babylon. Someone say Babylon. Babylon. The people of God, because of disobedience, because they deviated from the word of God, they end up, by the way, it's not just the people of God, the authority figures, the kings that were in charge of Israel and Judea, they deviated from God's word. As a result, the Bible says that God permitted them to go back into captivity. This time, not Egyptian, but a man named Nebuchadnezzar. And it was Babylonian captivity. Babylon would be modern-day Iraq. So the people from modern-day Iraq, led by a guy named Nebuchadnezzar, came down, and they took the people of God into captivity. Daniel finds himself as this young man in Babylonian captivity. And this, here's the story. Well, I'll give it to you on how God favors him. But there comes a moment where there's pushback on Daniel. Here's the window verse. This is... An amazing verse. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs. The other word for upstairs would be upper room. His upstairs room with its window open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day. Now he prayed with his window open. We're going to land on that in a few minutes. He prayed three times a day, just as everyone in New Season prays three times a day. Just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. I want to title our brief minutes here, Can You Hear Me Now? Ask your neighbor, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Of course, that's, that's the commercial from what? Right. Isn't it ironic that the same guy from the Verizon commercial is now... The spokesperson for what, what company? Sprint. Oh, loyalty. You have to love it. Here, let me give you the background. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. Darius decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. Darius is the king of Babylon. And he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king likewise chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers, and protect his interests. Now stop for a moment. How did Daniel get to Babylon? Was he invited? The man is a de facto slave. Put this in perspective. Jews were in captivity from 597 B.C. to 539 B.C. Yet Daniel in Babylon is placed 
to supervise the highest officers. Let, let, let me put this in perspective. He is over the very people that are holding him captive. I'm going to repeat that. He is over the very people that are supposed to be holding him captive. He had greater authority than those who held him captive. When God is on your side and you are on God's side, you have greater authority than those that were sent to hold you captive. Now, let me, I mean, I don't know if you get the irony here. This is the man who is enslaved. He's brought in there in captivity, and yet he acquires favor from the king to such a degree that the king puts him in charge of all his officers. He puts him in the highest place. Not only his officers, the king trusts him with his interests. This is the king's second in command, but he's supposed to be a slave. Let me speak to someone right now. Regardless of what you're going through, even in Babylon, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Even, that's Isaiah 54, 17, even in Babylon, the enemy is still underneath your feet. Romans 16, 20, even in Babylon, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, 1 John 4, 4. So even in Babylon, there are moments of captivity. We all go through moments where we are held captive. By captive, I don't mean someone is literally enslaving us. But sometimes we are held captive by the Babylon of our thinking process, by the Babylon of the immediate circumstance, by the Babylon of bad news that pops up out of the blue, by the Babylon of what something. Life brings Babylon. Are you with me right now? There are things that happen in life. So get over yourself when you think if you're a Christian, there are no Babylonians in moments then you haven't been a Christian for too long because you'll discover that the more you pursue righteousness by coincidence the more the enemy tries to take away your joy so Babylon happens what you need to understand is Babylon doesn't stop you but Babylon can't stop you Babylon cannot deter you Babylon cannot obstruct you even in Babylon you have favor even in Babylon you are anointed even in Babylon you are called so Babylonian captivity does not take away God's purpose in your life so he's in Babylon he's in Babylon the window is for people with unconditional authority repeat that after me the window is for people with unconditional authority Number two, the window is for kingdom people. Let me explain. I'm just, just a book. Daniel verse three. Daniel proved himself. This is interesting. Daniel proved himself more capable than all the other administrators. This is Daniel chapter six, verse three. He was better than all the rest. Better than all the rest. Better than all the rest. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. I'm going to drop the mic and walk away. First, he gives them supervision over the people that were supposed to hold them captive. And now the king says, you are so capable. I'm going to put you over the empire. Now, I, now, get this. When your anointing and your ability line up, extraordinary favor envelops you. When your ability and your anointing are in sync, the 
unprecedented favor will rest upon your life. There are anointed people that the ability hasn't caught up to the anointing. And then there are people that have great abilities that the anointing hasn't caught up to the ability. But when your anointing matches your ability at the maximum level, there is no other choice but to walk out with unprecedented favor. And let me make it clear, you forget the first verse. In the first verse, the Bible says that King Darius separated the kingdom into provinces. Stop. The king wasn't offering Daniel a province. He offered him the empire. Do not be satisfied with a province when God has an empire with your name on it. You missed it. Synonymous with the word empire in scripture would be the word kingdom. Don't be satisfied of a piece of the pie. The gospel is not the gospel of the province. It's the gospel of the kingdom. We are not province people. Province people are narrow-minded people. Province people are people that are satisfied with just surviving and not thriving. Province people are those that are always saying, I am okay, but I'm never blessed and highly favored. Province people is a piece of the pie. God did not call you for a province for you and your family your home and your marriage for you to change the world you need to be a kingdom person i am believing this church will be full of kingdom people we need people of the kingdom let me put it in another way well i don't care where you work what your job may be where your career may be if you are satisfied with having a lid then you are a province person if you if you are satisfied with having a cap no way to be then you're but if you believe that in jesus name when you walk into that place that you carry authority that you can shift the atmosphere that you can go from glory to glory that you're not there by coincidence but that people can come to the knowledge of Christ as Lord and Savior through you that you can bring an awakening to that workplace then you're a kingdom person we need some kingdom people I said we need some kingdom people we need some kingdom people for the Kingdom people, you need to broaden your horizons. Just like the king of Babylon gave Daniel the keys to the empire, the king of kings has given you the keys to the kingdom. Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. God has more. He has more for you so you can fill the earth with more of him. That thy kingdom come. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled, as it is fulfilled in heaven. That's the same thing as thy kingdom come. The passion translation. The kingdom is bursting forth the kingdom of God suffereth violence here's the passion translation the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power boy I believe we have some passionate people here in the house here this morning there is a kingdom there is a kingdom in your family thine kingdom come in your home thine kingdom come in your marriage thine kingdom come do not let the enemy satisfy you with a province when you have authority and access to the kingdom of heaven are there any kingdom people here in the house here today thine kingdom come we are people of the kingdom repeat after me we are people of the kingdom number three the window is for those who know how to for those who know how to disarm their critics let me read it for you. And the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way that Daniel was handling government affairs. 
but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn because he was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Your success will provoke jealousy. Your God-ordained success will provoke haters, but here it is. They could not find anything to criticize or condemn because Daniel was, number one, faithful. Number two, always responsible. Number three, completely trustworthy. When you are faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy, the haters stand disarmed. You can disarm your critics. Love, I'm telling you, love disarms the hater. Faithfulness silences the critics. Integrity paralyzes your detractors. Are you with me right now? When you walk in integrity, what are your, what are your critics going to What can your critics say when you do things right? What can your critics say when you are faithful and trustworthy? What can your critics say when you walk in integrity? That's why I am believing in Jesus' name that if you do have some haters in your life, and if you've never had a hater, but if you've never... <laughs> people, it's just... How can I put it? There are, when you are a trans, when you, when you don't, if you're not, are there any questions? So if you never stir the waters up, you're never going to get any pushback. But, but if you believe, if, if you're not satisfied with being satisfied, and you're that kind of person that says, I want more of God, and I want more of Jesus, and I want the glory of the risen Christ to resonate in me, with me, and through me every single day of my life, you're going to get some haters. You're going to get some haters. And if you do get some haters, be it on social media, be it in real life, be it in your family, be it whatever it may be, I need you to understand something. The haters only rise up when you carry an authority that they do not have. Are you with me right now? Haters usually emerge out of the womb of jealousy. So you know you're in the right place when you have people hating on you. Is anybody here with me right now? I'm landing to the, the, the crescendo point here. Number four, the window is for those that pray the right way. What does that mean? I'm just, ex, ex, this is biblical exegetical preaching. Number five, they concluded our chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. What does that mean? It means our only chance to attack him is to attack his faith. Because hell comes after your faith. So if hell can't get your attention in other areas, hell will come after your faith. The enemy wants you to doubt God. The enemy wants you to doubt the reality of God, the existence of God, the presence of God in your life, your relationship with God. Now watch this. So the administrators and high officers went to, king, to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrative officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, and baristas at Starbucks, we believe that the king should make the law and he should be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Notice, stop, this is, my, this is a good little point. Notice that they did not prohibit prayer. They hope they prohibited prayer to the God of Abraham. The enemy doesn't mind you if you pray. 
The enemy just wants you to pray the wrong way. You miss that. If you think the enemy's objective is to completely remove like prayer and praise and worship from your life, you're missing it. That's not the devil's strategy. The devil knows better. If he takes it completely away from you, if you go cold turkey, you're going to immediately relapse and look for something else. What the enemy does is replacement theology, replacement theory. What he does is he has he's currently something you have in your hand, he'll replace it with something else. He doesn't ever leave you empty because if you're empty, hungry people look for something. So he doesn't want you to look for truth. He doesn't want you to look for grace. He doesn't want you to look for love. So the devil's strategy is what? It's to replace. If God has placed somebody good in your life, the devil's strategy is not to remove that person. It is to replace that person with somebody bad in your life. So right now, it's I'm not, hey, Mr. King, we're not going to forbid prayer. We're just going to forbid prayer to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph we're going to forbid prayer to the real God and the only one that can pray to is you are you with me right now oh boy oh boy oh boy the enemy died but we he minds if you pray by the way there is the right way of praying and the wrong way of praying there is Pastor Sam God answers all prayers really let me see this Lord I pray to you in the name of Pastor Phyllis in the name of Pastor Phyllis who is my Lord and Savior I pray to you I have, do you think that prayer will be answered? No, it will not. So don't give me the politically correct line that God answers every prayer. No, God answers every prayer in the name of Jesus. No, you missed it. God answers every prayer. Jesus said, John 14, for I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask in my name. And that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it for you. Ladies and gentlemen, when you pray, pray to the father in the name of Jesus. Pray in the spirit in the name of Jesus. Pray without ceasing in the name of Jesus. Don't just pray. It's not generic prayers. Dear Lord, love dear big wind dear big teddy bear in the sky no it's our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name god you are my father i acknowledge your sovereignty and i'm praying to you in other words prayer is your cell phone to heaven and the passcode is the name of jesus are you with me right now so we pray in jesus name how many have seen answered prayers because you prayed in the name of jesus I didn't set up the system. I'm just a pizza delivery guy. It's the way it works. You pray in that name because it is the name above every other name. It is the name to whom which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. There is no other name given unto man through by which salvation has come unto all mankind. It is the name that is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and there they are saved. It's not just any name. It's the name of Jesus. Are you with me right now? It is the only name in the universe that will prompt every devil to run, every demon to flee, every vestige of illness to shrivel up and right there disappear by the authority of that name. There is power in that name. So let me get to it. This was all the preamble to the message. Number five and the final point, but actually the heart of the message, that was all the background. Number five is Daniel's window. Here comes the fun part. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, this sounds like recently things that have taken place in this nation. He went home and knelt down as usual in his upper room with its window open 
towards Jerusalem, towards Jerusalem. Do you miss that? I don't preach all by itself. He prayed towards destiny. He prayed three times a day just that he has always giving thanks to God. First of all, when he had learned the law had been signed, I want to make it clear without laws, we have anarchy. There are laws that protect our God-given rights and then there are laws that attempt to stifle, hinder, obstruct those rights. What should we do when authority figures, when government passes laws that run counter to God's laws? Recent laws legalizing infanticide in New York and Virginia and now Rhode Island and other states following suit. People went to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me give you advice. Before you go to Facebook or before you go to Facebook, the question is, did you pray? Here's, here, here's, here's one. Pray before you post. I'm going to say that one more time. Pray before you post. Because so, because we all get emotionally driven by something that takes place. We all do. We're all guilty. I, yours truly likewise. We all get moved. But we need to pray before we post. Because our posts may end up having more negative consequences. In our attempt to do good, we end up doing bad. Because we exacerbate drama instead of unleashing destiny. So look at your neighbor. Tell him, pray before you post. Oh, by the way, he went home and knelt down as usual in his basement. Where was the room? I can't hear you. Where was the room? Uh, upper room? This, it, it was Elijah had an upper room. That's where the miracle took place with the Shunammite woman's son. Jesus and the disciples ate the last supper where? When the Holy Spirit descended in Acts chapter 2, they were in the basement. They were in the upper room. The upper room gives you, why the upper room? The upper room prophetically and biblically speaking is the place of miracles. Throughout scripture, more miracles happen in the upper room. That, but it does not, in, in, this, in scripture, it's not just a continual metaphor. There's reason for that. The upper room speaks to a place of visibility. You can see your surroundings. You can see what's coming your way. Nothing truly can surprise you. You're in the high place. Are you with me right now? So he, he, I, I need you to put this in perspective. He had an upper room. He had a penthouse, baby. Daniel was a captive. Technically speaking, the man was a slave in Babylon. Yet the king gives him authority over his officers, his interests, over the empire, and gives him his penthouse suite. Daniel has a penthouse, and he's in captivity. I wish you would get this. Even in Babylon, God will grant you access to high places. Even in Babylon, there is an upper room. Even in Babylon, God will promote you. Now, I need to put this in perspective. We need upper room people. We need people that get out of the basement and go to the upper room. We need people that dare to say, God has a higher place for me. God didn't make you to crawl on the ground. God made you to fly in the highest of places. There is an upper room with your name on it. I'm saying there's an upper room with your name on it. And a matter of fact, I am believing prophetically that your season of promotion is right here, right now. You're about to go from the first floor to the top floor. In every aspect of your life, I need you to lift up your hands and say welcome to the upper room as for me and my family once God said why did Daniel end up in the highest place because once God said you will be the head and 
not the tail. He meant it. Woo! Once God said, you will be blessed, he meant it. Ah. God's grace, gift, and glory, God's forgiveness and freedom and favor are not based on where you are, but rather on who you are. Your location does not determine the favor. Where you are in life does not define your destiny. It's who you are. I want you to repeat after me. Who I am is greater than where I am. If you would actually understand what you just said, you just shifted your atmosphere. Repeat after me. Who I am is greater than where I am. You have no idea the truth you just said. I want you to look at whatever circumstance I sensed an anointing. I'm preaching to you through a window. I feel like Mr. Rogers here for a second. But I want you to repeat after me who I am is greater than where I am. In Jesus, who I am is always greater than where I am. I may be going through hell, but I'm a child of God. I am blessed and highly favored. I am the righteousness of God. I am the apple of God's eye. I am a co-inheritor with Jesus of absolutely everything. Who I am, let me say it again. Who you are is greater than where you are. You're a child of God. Do not let your location right now silence your purpose and your praise because who you are is always greater than where you are. You are a Daniel. You may be in Babylon, baby, but you have a penthouse suite. You have authority over every king, over every governor, over the king's interest. I don't care what you may be going through because who you are is greater than where you are. That's supposed to get that animated. But it's who you are. Daniel was a child of God, a prophet of God in Judea and in Babylon. Woo! I'm done. Oh. The Bible says, with its window open, stop. The window was open and not closed. The window was open and not closed. Let me say it again for the hearing impaired. The window was open and not closed. He was not ashamed. No, he could have closed the window. He's under assault. He's under threat. If anyone prays to anyone other than King Darius, you will be placed in the lion's den. You will die. The man, oh, the window was open. Intentionally, the window was open. This man was not, a, here's the problem. Don't, don't get upset with me. This is not about you. It's about other people. He, he, here's the problem with some modern day Christians. We have too many believers praying with closed windows metaphorically and prophetically speaking a closed window speaks to a person who is privately a believer but publicly ambiguous a closed window speaks to a person who has no issue lifting up the name of Jesus Sunday morning but they have a problem lifting it up Monday through Saturday Daniel was not ashamed the reason why America's going to hell in a handbasket is because we have too many closed window Christians 
We have too many Christians that just follow the Lord on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, there is no visible manifestation of a commitment to the risen Christ. Of course, no one in this church, but man, do we ever need, we need, this is, if you want to see America change, if you want to see the devils kicked out of this nation, if you want to, Pastor Sam, I would like these infanticides to end. I would like racism to end. Really? Open up your window. Open up your window. Stop living with a closed window. Let everyone know you pray in the name of Jesus. Let everyone know that you believe the word of God is yes and amen. Let everyone that you know that you believe in biblical truth. We have too much of this. We need this. We need Christians to stand up right with the windows open and say, I believe that Jesus is Lord. I believe there's only one way to be saved and his name is Jesus. I believe there is salvation, deliverance, and healing in the sun sovereign mighty name of the risen Christ. I believe that he died on the cross, that he resurrected, that he ascended and he's coming back for us. I believe. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, open up your window. Now tell him like you believe it. Tell him, open up your window. No, 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 no. Tell him, open up your window. Look up here a second. Look up here. We've all been through moments where we've done this. But this right here, this the audacity of looking out to a world that's broken and opening the window and praying. And if you think I'm illustrating that you actually open up the window in your room to pray, it's a metaphor for life. We live like this, man. Some of us live, God bless those that do this at least. Some do this. And they only pop up Sunday mornings. But Monday through Saturday. Here's what we need. We need believers that go. I'm sorry, there was a law that said that I can't pray. I'm going to pray more than I prayed before. There's a law that says that we can't. I'm going to raise my body like I've never raised it before. I can't lift up my hands and worship. I'm going to walk around like this. Are you with me right now? We need some Daniels. I said we need some Daniels. We need some Daniels. We need some courageous, faithful, holy, trustworthy, competent, able, worshipers, prophets, people that dare to open up the window and continue as usual to lift up the name of Jesus. Are there any Daniels in the house here today? I said, are there any Daniels here today? Oh, the day, open up the window in the name of Jesus, in your family, in your home, in your marriage. Let the glory of the risen Christ shine through. Open up your window. Stand with me, stand with me. Open window believers inspire others to pray. Open window people don't care what others think. Christians are not driven by opinions. Christians are driven by conviction. Oh boy. Christians are not driven by comments. Christians are driven by covenant. Christians are not motivated by praise or criticism. They are driven by grace and love. He prayed like this, but it wasn't directed randomly. The Bible says that the window, he prayed with a window open towards 
you have to pray with destiny in mind. You have to pray with purpose in mind. Jerusalem was the North Star. Jerusalem was Daniel's Jeremiah 29, 11. Jer Jerusalem was, they took us out, we're going back. I don't know when we're going back, but we're going back. So I'm going to pray with the end result. I'm going to pray looking at my destiny. I'm going to pray looking not where I've been, but where I'm going. I'm going to pray looking at where I'm going. I'm, I'm praying towards the future. You think Jerusalem was the past because they came from the past. It was going back. It was the rebuilding. It was, the, it was that process that Daniel was prophesying into. So he's praying, looking towards the future. You have to stop being obsessed with praying about your past. I want you to hear me. If all you do is pray about God one more time, I'm just, I, I feel real bad about what I did 23 years ago. I know I've asked you for 1,411 times to forgive me, but I just feel today I should bring up the past that you are, and God's going like, he, God's from California and says, dude, like I did this already. Like how many times do I have to forgive you for the same thing? What are you going to make me anemic? Stop. You're just, all the blood was already poured out upon that. Matter of fact, the Bible says I don't even remember that anymore. You want me to remember something that I've already wiped out? Don't pray. Don't pray focused on your past. Deal with the things that haven't been dealt with in your past. Repent for them. Repent. Ask God for forgiveness that the blood of Jesus wash you. But once he deals with it, done. I'm praying towards my future. Are you with me? Man, we're done. See, so when your kids are really messed up, don't pray about their past Lord, my kids are drug addicts, they're, they're alcoholics. I'm, oh, Lord, oh, baby Jesus, please help them. No, I, you need to pray for your children looking at the future. Lord, I want to thank, thank you for that graduate from UC Davis. I want to, you follow me? Right now, the kid has a 2.1 and he's in 10th grade. But you're prophesying, I'm going to thank you for that graduate from UC Davis. You, that's what you do. You pray towards Jerusalem. Open up the window, giving thanks at all times. This is what he did. There's a law that says you can't pray to anyone else but Darius. So Daniel, really? I can't do what? I can't, I can't pray. God of Abraham. God of Isaac, God of Jacob, you did it before, do it again. Lift up your hands. We've all operated with closed windows, all of us. There's been a moment in our corresponding lives where we've all closed our windows. I am guilty on occasion in the past, in my younger days of closing my windows, thinking that that closed because the window open was too religious, too, it would have, I don't know, people would have thought that I was a zealot or a religious person questioning my cognitive domain. In other words, my intellect would be questioned if I'm too religious. And then I learned that there is so much power when we open up our windows. When others hear, they get inspired. So I travel around the world now and I hear young men and women tell me, Pastor Sam, 
your declaration of the name of Jesus inspired me in my life, in my career, in my journey. I was an agnostic. I was an atheist. I, I used to go to church, but I didn't believe. All these testimonies that I get now of people telling me, but when we saw you lift up the name of Jesus, when we saw you do this in Jesus, when we saw, then I said that this has to be. That's called opening up your windows. With your hands raised, I want to speak to you prophetically right now. We have to wrap up because there's another service coming in, but I want you to hear me. I don't know where you are in life. If you're in Judea, Israel, or Babylon, wherever you are, I want you to hear me. Who you are is greater than where you are. You are a child of God, regardless of your circumstance. Pastor, I'm, I'm in a terrible moment in my life. I just got divorced, or I'm about to get, I'm about to sign papers. I, this is, I'm in a terrible place. Yes, we all go through terrible places. But who you are will always be greater than where you are. You're a child of God, created in his image, the apple of his eye. Jesus said, a co-inheritor with me of absolutely everything. You are the apple of God's eyes. He loves you with your hands raised. Lord, right now, I sense your spirit and your power. God, you're asking us to do nothing less than to open up our windows. I hear the Holy Spirit say, just open the window. Do not be ashamed. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. That's the Apostle Paul's. That's the best. I am not ashamed of the gospel that bears his name. It is the power of God. I am not ashamed. It's, I am not ashamed. God is telling you this morning, open up your window. Open up your window, open up your window, open up your window, open your window. Shine, shine, shine. I've placed light in you. Shine. No need to hide. No need to keep it quiet. Shine. I have favored you. I have called you. I have purpose for you. With your hands a little bit higher, here it is. In Jesus' name, we, Father, right now, unleash supernatural authority. Just like you gave Daniel authority over everything. Officers, interests, and then the empire. Lord, right now, every person here with their hands raised, you're giving them supernatural authority. In other words, they will rule over this, every single thing that attempted to rule over them. I'm going to say it one more time. The things that attempted to rule over them, after this service, we will rule over everything that came to rule over. I sense a release right there. We will rule over absolutely everything that attempted to rule over us. We speak that word. We affirm it. We come in agreement with it right now. If you believe it, repeat after me. My windows are open. My spirit is free. I pray in the name of Jesus. And I rule over the very things that were sent to rule over me. Because who I am is greater than where I am. And I am a child of the living God. In Jesus' name, now give God the best praise you've given him all day.